the deal is that if it is going to be negative judgment, I'd rather that negative judgment be to my face. And you tell me like, hey, I don't, I don't like what you're doing. I, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like what you're wearing. I'd rather you come to me, tell me face to face than for it to be a conversation with someone else over the phone and to get back to me that way. I'm Ron. And I'm Church Quack. You know my name. I am Mike the Apostle to the Food. I almost forgot my name this week, y'all. That's <laughs> how, <laughs> how busy of a week is, man. <laughs> Bless him, Lord. And welcome to another episode of Hugh Babies, an apostolic podcast. So, how has you guys this week been? How's it been going? It's been rough. Um... My job's stressing me out, but at least I got a job. Yeah, thank God for the job. I know, so I can't complain, but uh, I'm just taking it one step at a time. How's it going, Apostle? It's going. um, It's going. It's been a crazy week. I've been busy at my regular job this week, and then, uh, like I said, my business, I had to deliver a suit to a client this week um to that tonight and i was like lord help me to be back so i can get on the podcast <laughs> and um but that's been too, and then like um grad school officially started with those discussion boards and stuff this week so i hate discussion boards i'm gonna just be honest because i don't like uh you know having to like fake reply to people like oh i agree with what you said blah 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 so but it's been a, it's been a, a good week overall how have you been, Ron? How have you been? It's been a great week, y'all. Good. Yeah, very good week. Um, we went back to church on Sunday. Oh, how was that? Oh my gosh, it was so needed. I I didn't realize how much I missed her. <laughs> as soon as it started, like from beginning to the end, like my hands was raised, my eyes was closed, I shouted a little bit. Mm. Uh oh, all right. <laughs> you know, my feet got happy. It was it okay. Was so good just being back with the Saints. And then I got home and football season started. And so that got me excited yeah. again. Yeah. I know. It's like a roller coaster sometimes, you know. The week started off on a high. And then this, we just found out a couple hours ago that Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. And Oh, that's sad. Yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that. So influential. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God is still good. He is all the time. <laughs> so, should we get started with some businesses? Yes. Yes. We're going to get started with some businesses. We, I know both of you ladies love desserts, love cakes and cake pops. I know I do. Um, so, I really have a special treat for you all this week, no pun intended. So I actually have Ryan Williams Allen. Um, she's a member of Refuge Temple of Burlington, North Carolina, with a pastor, uh, Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ, with a pastor is Bishop Reginald Davis. Um, and she owns a business called Sweet Treats by Libby. And um, it's 
Sweet Treats by Libby was established in 2018 by Ryan Williams Allen. We specialize in custom design cakes, wedding cakes, cupcakes, cake pops, cookies, and more. She can be found via her Facebook page, Sweet Treats by Libby, by email, sweettreatsbylibby at gmail.com, or through her website, sweettreatsbylibby.com. Um, and I actually follow her post on Facebook, and I tell you, her stuff looks amazing. I'll be turning a milestone next year, Lord willing, and I probably will be using her services. I think her stuff just looks so Good, very talented, and it's something that she does a awesome job. And I think she actually just got like a certification. Please support her business if you're in the North Carolina area. You having that birthday party, whatever. Support her business. I will include her information in the show notes. And again, if you have an apostolic business that you would like for us to feature on the show, you can email us at pewbabies at gmail dot com. Those look good. No, I just sweet treats about Libby. I just followed you on IG. Pew Babies is following you, girl. <laughs> now we're going to have the church announcements. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start with I'm tired of hearing about COVID. I'm tired of hearing about the racial injustices, even though they are prevalent, they're still happening, but we just need a mental break sometimes, saints. But I just found out that <laughs> people deficient in vitamin D, this is what they're saying, people deficient in vitamin D are 54% more likely to get COVID-19. Hmm. So you know that's like half, if not all, the Black community. Because <laughs> they say that wow. we're low or deficient in vitamin D. So I know that I am. I had my blood test done like a few uh, months ago. So my vitamin D has always been low. But supernaturally, praise God, I'm good. And I wash my hands, saints. It ain't that hard. And your body, too. Yeah, that's <laughs> things we should have been doing before the pandemic. But praise the Lord. Sure. Praise the Lord. But yeah, no, we don't get enough sun. So I get that. <laughs> mm, we ain't in the field no more. So. Too black for that. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> no, you all should see my arm. It's two tone now. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we have what else is on the news today? So we have Justin Bieber's new single, Holy, with Chance the Rapper spotlights faith and marriage. Bieber says, Holy is a love song that celebrates faith while sharing the benefits of commitment. Any thoughts, Saints? I don't want to be a Pharisee tonight. <laughs> Rod, I saw you. <laughs> Ron, I saw your face and you thought. Don't foreshadow the discussion. Um, oh my gosh. I don't know. When you said Justin Bieber, I was like, what? Where is she going with this? And then you said, holy. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, where is she going with this? And then she said, chance the rapper. And then I understood. Uh, we talked a little bit about Kanye last time. And I like, it's the same. I don't have additional comments. It's the same. Like, I appreciate that Chance the Rapper, he, like, collaborated with Kurt Franklin on a song. And I appreciate that he is very much, he promotes Christ, like, even when he's not performing. But it's apostle, your faith. <laughs> but it's the same. It's the same thing as Kanye. I can't say any different. You can't curse. And then if you don't have a change of heart, then we can't 
support it. Uh, I can't support it, I should say. I, I can't. I don't buy it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I you like know. He's a baby Michelle Williams. Possibly. We're going to see if he turns into one. I hope not. Who is this? Dustin? Yeah. Did I miss something? Did, you said they they have a, a collaboration now We're talking about marriage and family? So his new single, Justin Bieber released a new single with Chance the Rapper entitled Holy, which is promoting faith and marriage and commitment and sharing the benefits of commitment, of having a committed relationship. Which is different than believing in Christ. Like they are the example. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I guess y'all don't have no words. I mean, I just, I just, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I respect them. I respect everybody's hustle as artists, you know, secular or sacred, but just don't try to use like, you know, your fame and stuff to try to promote a message that honestly, you know, like, are you all now the examples of what faith and family and commitment is now? Or, you know, like, I'm just very, very, like, confused. I, I want answers. I want answers. answers to these questions these are questions i'm asking but i don't know like i don't i don't want to say too much but i i don't i'm not here for it tell you yeah we all need answers i agree all right so moving on y'all know mother dolores washington green of the legendary gospel group the caravans died at age 82 on september the 2nd of cancer She's apparently had it or been battling it for well, five types of cancer since 1970, so, since mm. the 1970s. So mm. she didn't fought a good fight. Um, mm. And I pray that she's resting in glory. Well, I can't pray that she is resting in glory, but I hope she made it. <laughs> At the end of the day, I have no heaven or hell to put nobody in. So, And uh, moving on again for some Christian world news. We have some um, indigenous volunteers from various Aboriginal islands. They're coming together to learn biblical translations so they can be able to take it back to their country. I thought that was pretty cool. They're trying to, they said they basically, from reading their news, from reading the news article, they were saying that they're tired of these white people coming into their area having to learn the language to communicate the gospel when they can just learn themselves and it'll be easier for them to communicate with their people. And with that, they're hoping by next year to get some more young people by 2021 for their next cohort to join. So I think that's some good news that we have some translators or people from their country who are willing to translate, help translate the Bible. They're trying to get more uh, biblical translated for countries or hidden or countries with difficult languages and um, just share the gospel and spread the gospel. It made me think of, uh, you know, that boy who went to the island to spread the gospel and end up getting killed. Oh, wow. Sorry, I didn't want to make up more of it. It's got dark. I'm grateful for the fact that the natives are deciding to learn this word for themselves and take it back to their own people and share it. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, okay. And then last part. So we have a lot of things coming up. So a lot of people are still having concerts this year, which is weird. So we have Cast and Crowns. They're having a few concerts um, in Georgia and Kansas and Mississippi. Uh, also, Marvin Sapp. Yeah. I know he dropped his album a few weeks ago. Toby Mac. That's not until next year. Mercy Me. Well, and then we have Poets in Autumn that's coming up. It's a virtual conference. It's going to be um, October. It's going to be on October 24th through the 25th. Global access. Tickets are on sale, $17. Um, you can also, there's a VIP session. So they still have the VIP session. That's from 4 to 5.30. But it's going to start at 12. So y'all can just go on their website. And, and if that's your thing, if you're into Christian poetry, go for it. And that concludes the end of our church announcements. I guess that's not your thing, huh? Clap. <laughs> what? <laughs> I am going to support. I will go. I like the poets in autumn. Yeah, we'll I see, had a amazing we'll time see. last year. I did too. I enjoyed that. That was fun. Maybe we should mm-hmm. do a virtual watch party. Ooh. We could. Because I did. I had a good time. Yeah, they their poems always like are so true. Um, you know, I care for their triggering a little bit. <laughs> the way, like, they'll hit a nerve with you sometimes. Or sometimes those poems, those, that portrait get a little bit deep and strike a nerve, but I always enjoy it. All right. So now we're going to move on to our subject for this week. And our topic for our subject is the Pew Baby to Pharisee Pipeline. My Lord. This week, I wanted us to kind of have a conversation about judgment in the church. So, okay, let me start with the reason why we're calling it the Pew Baby Pipeline. You guys know the school to prison pipeline is that there's policies that are in schools that are kind of targeted to disadvantaged students that grew up in a certain area, mostly Black communities and other communities. And those policies push them to being policed in a way that leads them to the prisons. And a lot of parents are starting to realize this with virtual learning. They'll be watching their kids learn virtually from their teacher. The student might be doing something that just typically a a kid might do. And they'll hear the teacher like correct their child. And a lot of parents are kind of speaking out and saying, hey, um, my kid's not doing anything wrong. Why are you yelling at them? And it's kind of become this thing where teachers have moved from teaching to managing classroom and classroom management has been the focus. And because of that, we're starting to see like more of a push about these policies. The way I wanted us to talk, think about this topic is as the church, how are we looking at ourselves like in a self-evaluation type of way, making sure that we don't push people out the doors through our judgment? And I think the way I wanted to look at this is in three buckets. The first is believers with non-believers. The second is with believers and pew babies or people who have a church history. And then the third is with believers and believers. Um, And so before we get into the conversation, I wanted to ask you guys, like, when you think of Pharisee, what do you think about? What is a Pharisee to you? I mean, I think about someone who's like arrogant, sort of pompous, high-minded, and very judgmental of others and comparative. Apostle. 
I think of someone that's like self-righteous, um, you know, that's, again, as, as Clap said, uh, arrogant, that, you know, has kind of a know-it-all spirit, a spirit of big eyes, little use, um, and someone that's, you know, really gun-ho on really just kind of taking a step back and always uh, combing through everything with a fine tooth comb, but ignoring the moat in their, you know, ignoring the the moat in their eyes and things like that. So um, that to me is is what I see as a Pharisee, and I think they come in all different types of narratives. I agree with that definition. Um, I would suggest people read Matthew twenty three. Like I was looking at that this morning, and yeah, who. It hurt me. I felt convicted. <laughs> I really did. I like. I was like, wow. Like that was a real true mirror. Um, about and and when I think of a Pharisee, I think of someone who uses their knowledge of Christ as both a sh- a shield and a sword. Like, because you have this relationship with Christ, you use it to to hurt other people and tell people, well, you need to follow the gospel. And then you also use it as a shield to protect yourself and say, well, you know. I'm still working on me. Christ is still building me. So there's never really a correction. Before we get into the buckets, I just want to ask you guys, like, do you think the church is judgmental? Yes or no? Yes. Well, it depends. It depends on which church you're talking about. Are you saying the apostolic faith as a whole? That's the only church. Okay, okay. That's what I'm talking about. They're self-righteous, self-centered, <laughs> self-indulgent. Those comments. See, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Came out. Oh, I'm praying that Lord deliver me from the Pharisees. But yes. Say yes to that question for, from Clap. Um, I, see, I, I don't know. It depends. Like, I do think... Uh, I see. I'm in between. I do think, like sometimes, like the the church can be. I don't like to say the church is judgmental because I feel like for for so long that's been kind of a clutch for people to hold on to to keep them from becoming part of the church. Like you know, oh, church people are so judgmental, and sometimes it's not you know so much church people being you know judgmental, whatever. Sometimes it's all about like. You know, I think we sometimes confuse being judgmental with being accountable, you know. And so to a non-believer, it might be easy for them to say, oh, church is, is judgmental and stuff like that. I think, yeah, to a non-believer, we shouldn't be judgmental to them because if they are, you know, have not come into the church and not come to the knowledge of the truth, then, you know, they're going to do what people in sin do sin. And we can't be surprised or shocked by that. But I think when it comes as it relates to people that, you know, are in church and being judgmental, sometimes it's not about being judgmental, it's just people are holding you accountable, you know, and trying to make sure that you are in line with what you're supposed to be doing and not necessarily, are there judgmental people in church? There are, there are people that turn their nose up and forgot that such were some of them, you know? So I do, to answer that question, I'm a little bit in between because I don't like to say Church people are judgmental, because, but also, too, I'm not going to sit up here and ignore the fact that we do have people that sit in church that 
sit back in our Pharisees. And like you were saying, um, I was studying Matthew 23 last night, and I think I was sharing with you all in the group chat, there are six out of seven problematic Pharisees. And I've seen these people right there in church. Like I've seen these people. I'm gonna cut off right here. I'm sorry. I... <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, and you you got a little bit ahead of me. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but so okay, so since you're already talking about it, let's talk about let's talk about Matthew 23. Who can you explain like to the listeners? Because I don't think everybody's taking the time to read it. Like just give a synopsis of the types of Pharisees? So, you know, basically um, from, from what they, you know, it was, it was kind of, and I kind of studied it side by side with a commentary last night, but there was one of the Pharisees um, because of course, like as the text is laid, it was, talks about how Jesus rebukes the scribes and the Pharisees. And so um, how they lay oppressive burdens on others. So um, to get to the six types of Pharisees in this particular scripture, it talked about the shoulder Pharisee who wore all his good deeds and righteousness on his shoulder for everyone to see. Now, how many times have we seen that narrative in church? And then, and I'm not going to like explain all of them because I think, you know, I'll, I'll let you, but I'm going to just go through the six. We're not a Bible study, but yeah, I think it's good for people to hear the types. Yeah. So then we have the wait a little Pharisee uh, who's always intended to go, do good deeds, but could always find a reason not to do them uh, for doing them um, later or not. Now you got the bruise, the bleeding Pharisee who was so holy that he could turn his head away from any woman seen in public and was therefore constantly bumping into things and tripping, thus injuring himself. Um, then you have the humpback Pharisee who so humble he walked and bent over, barely lifting his feet so everyone could see how humble he was. And then you had the always counting Pharisee, who's always counting up his good deeds and believed that God was in debt to him. Fearful Pharisee who did good because he was terrified that God would strike him in judgment. And then the God-fearing Pharisee who really loved God and did good deeds um, to please the guy he loved, which wasn't necessarily the problematic Pharisee. So, Got you. Okay, so let's jump into, you kind of talked about it a little bit, Apostle, but judgment between believers and non-believers. So I'm going to go ahead and say this. I used to be an usher growing up, and one thing that I just did not like was when I would see saints, see someone that we obviously knew was coming off the streets and just say, well, you need to wear a skirt when you come in here or you need to wear a prayer cap when you come in here, respect the house of God. And I think, okay, force feeding is torture. It's a torture tactic. We, I Personally, I don't think that the saints can put any type of standard on someone who is coming off the street. Um, and in there becomes a time where that person who's coming off the street moves into the second bucket and they become that person, not necessarily a pew baby, but a person with a history with the church. And I, I have a different understanding for that. But when somebody comes off the street, the most thing, the biggest thing you need to worry about to me for them is just trying to make sure that they find a place that they can find love and make sure that they can find a place where they can get deliverance and ultimately develop a relationship with Christ and get the Holy Ghost and get saved. That's that's my opinion. You guys have thoughts? 
Yeah, so I agree. I agree with that. I think, um, I, and I've, I've known of apostolic churches that, you know, will have you strip out of, if you're a visitor who ever have you strip out of jewelry at the door, you got to put something on your head at the door. I know of churches that, you know, have that narrative. But I do think, like, when you're talking about someone visiting a guest, like, you got to be patient. This might have been the first church they've been to. And you have to be really patient, you know, with that person. And all you can do is adorn them with love. Like, you know, ain't no need for you to go put your chapel veil on them. Like, they don't know why they're wearing that. You know, ain't no need for you to go tell them, you need to go put a skirt on, you know, like, and I, I've seen that. I've, I've seen, you know, those type of things happen, even like funerals and stuff where you will have um, ushers, you know, people come to funerals in all types of apparel, you know. And so I've seen where ushers be looking at them up and down, you know, like, what? like we, we can't do that when someone is in that, that bucket of a center. You know, as people say all the time, you have to, you know, catch the fish first before you can scale it. And so I think it's very important that we recognize that if we're going to be all about soul winning, if we're going to be all about trying to win people over and, and things like that, we have to be patient with people because everybody does not come from a church background. Some people have never been to a church before. And if they've been, it's been because, oh, I went with grandma one time, I went with auntie one time, but nobody has ever, is not familiar with church culture and the way church culture works. And uh, you know, even with church culture, that's a different, you know, subject right within itself, because what is church culture? So I think we have to be very, you know, it's imperative that we be um, very cognitive of, you know, how we are handling those things, because then the center could easily say, well, that church was judgmental. She looked at me crazy because I had like some, had my red hair, or she told me that I needed to go put a skirt on or something like that. Like, you know, unless somebody is walking into your church naked, nude, or they're just flat out inappropriate, what we have to say, sister or brother, you know, because we got to go to men too. Men come in inappropriate, you know, come in inappropriate. We have to say, bro, like, we need you to put a t shirt on. We need you to put that on. But other than that, leave people alone and let them hear the words so they can get saved, get filled with the Holy Ghost. And, you know, come to the knowledge of the truth. Then from there, we move into trying to, you know, get them into standard of what that particular ministry is. Yeah, I concur with both. I mean, I remember one time uh, my neighbor was invited to one of um, apostolic church that I knew in the area. And um, the girl that was taking her, she came out in pants. The girl that was taking her, she said, oh, you need to go back inside and put on a skirt. And so she made the girl go back in her house, put on a skirt and come back out so she can go to church. I mean, if, like I said, like, I mean, I totally agree with you guys. Like they need patience. Like that's stuff that you just don't do. If that's a first time visitor to your church and you invited them, you need to chill out and give people time to change because there's people in the church with skirts on who's still sinning, whose heart's not right, whose heart still hasn't changed. So what good is that if you're changing the outside and the inside is not transforming? Right. I, I agree. And I, I also think that it's important for us, like, We'll see, because we have social media now. So we'll see somebody who says that's an, a non-believer who's a sinner. And they'll say, um, 
you know, the church is so judgmental, they're hypocrites in the church. And I think a lot of the saints get offensive. And for me, I feel like, you know, sinners are going to sin, like judgment, being judgmental, being a, a hypocrite, saying something and contradicting yourself. That's what you would expect a sinner to do. So I don't think we should like, I see a lot of saints get all geared up and like, what they don't understand, like, don't get upset when a sinner voices their opinion of what they, how they feel. Like, that's what they're going to do. It's feedback. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, when I agreed, when you asked, like, do you think churches are judgmental? I agreed and I said yes. I think most of us think of judgment as, because the world, in the secular realm, they refer to it as something that's negative. But um, when it comes to the Christian faith, it's positive. We have to judge one another because iron sharpens iron when it comes to, that's in the second bucket, I believe. (laughs) When we talk about Christians or um, pew babies with other pew babies or just Christians with Christians within the church, like we have to judge. Um, The Bible tells us to judge one another, um, those who are of the same cloth. So that's why I said yes to that initial question because I believe the church is judgmental and they can be judgmental to sinners outside the church, but. No, and I, and I think that's a perfect segue. I'm pro-judgment. <laughs> She's so pro- pro-judgment. <laughs> Judge me so I can make it. Hey, easy. right. Okay, so let's, let's move into that. Okay, so judgment between a pew baby or someone who has a history with the church and a believer. Where do you guys stand on that? Is it good? Is it bad? You said positive and negative uh, judgments, clap. So we're going to go with that. Is it a positive or negative? It depends. See, I think that the Christian church or some apostolic churches do not emphasize or do not teach on grace. And you need to have grace for people. And there's a balance with grace and faith. Like you can believe hardcore and, you know, you got people who believe hardcore, who are zealous and who are using the Bible, like you said earlier, as like a club instead of, you know, something that, you know, is, is more than just correction. It is love. It is showing the character of God. I think we take, I think we put our focus on things that we have to do and we become self-righteous. It's so, I think it's so easy to become self-righteous in holiness and in the apostolic faith, because we do so much on the outside that, um, which is necessary. But I think people take pride in it at times and they forget like, oh, I was there at one point. You know, I thought like that at one point or I did that. We forget because we've been in it for so long and we end up judging others who may have fell out of church and came back, you know, who know. But like they just, you know, have to get their heart right. Something didn't click, you know, or they're still working through whatever they're working through, you know, who, just because you stayed in or just because you didn't stray away, maybe physically, doesn't mean that you're mentally present. So I think that's another thing we have to consider when we are judging one another within the church. Just have that grace for others and just learn about what, Read Romans for crying out loud. <laughs> that, I mean, or like y'all were reading Matthew 23, that will humble you, you know, to kind of keep you in check to make sure you're not going over the pride and self-righteous, you know, road when it comes to people. Love one another. Right. 
So I agree with Clap. Um, I think, you know, again, like when it comes down to like being in in church and you guys were asking more so like along the lines, you're talking about between, and let me just make sure I'm answering correctly. This is between seasoned saints and like pubic babies, right? Yes. Okay. So I think, you know, it just, it depends on what that situation looks like, because again, like, you know, Clap said, the Bible does speak about, you know, judging and how we should judge, you know, one another. However, you know, with that if she said too, you have your negative judgment, you have your positive judgment. Like, I don't think you should, you know, as far you should judge negatively and say, oh, you know, you you coming in here, you can't even keep your legs closed and you can't even, you know, do this, do that. And it's like, okay, like, <laughs> you know, don't say that to someone. But Why are you looking at my legs? Right. But I do think that, you know, sometimes I know even as a, as a pew baby myself, like, if someone is coming to me and they're coming from a place of concern, they're judging me from that positive judgment for me to get in line with that. I'm going to appreciate that. And I think it's necessary, you know, sometimes because you do have seasoned saints that's been in our shoes before or been where we're trying to go spiritually and can recognize like those things, especially if they're spiritually discerning, recognize like clap said when you're not mentally there. And I've been, you know, places before, you know, where I just wasn't mentally there. Like I'm there physically, I'm coming in doing my formalities and doing everything in routine, but I'm not mentally there. And you do have to have somebody to come in and say, nah, like, bruh, you, you're not, you're not, you, you're not here. Like what's going on. But you know, for me, for someone that's a same person to come to me and be like, like, ugh, like you, you must be out there like being crazy. And you know, that to me would not probably be appreciated. Um, you're coming to me. You don't even know what's going on. You don't know where I am with everything. You didn't even try to ask how I was doing, like what led me here. But a lot of times if somebody comes from that place of, you know what, like, bro, like I love you, but you need to get it together because, you know, I know what you can be. I know what your potential is. And I know, you know, that if you can get yourself together, God has much more in store for you for you to do, but you can't keep, you know, coming in here and straddling the fence like you're doing. That's much appreciated than someone that's kind of blindly coming in and being a Pharisee and kind of like one of those Pharisees that we talked about from Matthew 23, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And like, I, I, I agree. I think, look, everybody has a village when they grow up. And as a pew baby, the church was, it's like my second family at least in my opinion, I don't know what y'all's environment was, but for me, like everybody in church, whether we were related or not, was like, an, we call them sister and brother, but to me, they're like my aunties and my uncles, the older saints, I should say. I think because of that, fam- family is a little bit difficult. When you start thinking about the church as being your family, sometimes people don't, as your family members, don't always come to you in the correct way. They're still coming to you out of love, but they don't come correct. And so I've I've seen both aspects. I've seen family members who have actually like sat me down and been like this X, Y, and Z. And then I've seen family members who come at me with an attack. And I think um, when we talk about pew babies, and, and this is definitely a topic for a different day, but when we talk about pew babies who have left the church and how they're approached, 
Um, I think that we have to be careful about wounding somebody who is already being beat up and abused. I think that um, I, I don't want to misquote scripture, but I thought there was a like that you'll get there's more like a, of stripes or whippings for people who know stuff about God. Is that true? Am I making that up? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't that's, think that's it's true. a paraphrase of something. I can't remember. But are you talking about like when people like get ready, like. They sin knowingly. When the people they sin know knowingly the and when they die and they go, there's like a. Uh... That's not Is what that I what was talking about. But I was thinking more of like, um, not be with stripes, but like it's hard. It's kind of like the hard to kick against the prick. No, no, it's not that. I don't know. Anyway. Whoa, or are you talking about when people backslide and they get like the seven? Yeah, like when you backslide, okay. you got seven nine. spirits that come with, attached with them. I was about to that's, start taking these That's part of that too, but I don't know. I got to get the scripture right, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm over I'm over this wrongology. No, no, no. Somebody check me. Somebody check that in the comments. I'm about to judge you right now. <laughs> But like, there's a saying in the world that if if you knew better, you would do better. My cousins used to say that a lot. And because you have a knowledge, I think that uh, there's a certain standard that we all hold for you when you come back into the church. People who are pre-babies and grew up in the church and know better, I think because of that, they don't show as much love or their love is much more... Uh, pushed away because they think they're coming to them as a family. They're coming to you as like, Hey, we, I've known you your whole life. Why are you doing this? (laughs) So it's a little bit different. Well, Jesus did say he wasn't accepted in his own home, but that was different though. Jesus wasn't backslash, but you know what I'm saying? They know you. So it's harder to come there and to, you know, do anything because they do know your history. And they're like, Hey, you grew up like, why you fall away? Or you baby but I, I think I agree, but I, I think that when somebody falls away and somebody backslides, I think that's the time to really like show, you know, to really, really show them the love of Christ even the more because this person hasn't been in church for a while. And sometimes, you know, you don't know what that person has battled, mm-hmm. what has fought up against. And it's almost like when somebody has backslid, has, you know, decided to backslide and they come back is, you know, I don't think they're deserving of the same treatment as we would give a newcomer, but I do think that, you know, to some degree you have to still, you know, handle that with kid gloves, whatever, depending on like where that person, because we don't know what issue caused that person to be pushed out. And I think I don't want to delve into another subject here. I don't want to, you know, get too, much to the left, but I am going to mention this because there are issues that go on in church and we won't be able to use this as an excuse. Don't, I'm not saying we will not be able to use anything that happened in church or any experience we had in church when the church did this and the church did that. No, we won't be able to use that, you know, when we get ready to get up there and, you know, and, and, and God who's going to judge us, (laughs) we won't be able to use those excuses. He's going to ask us about our own actions. However, you know, there are things that have happened in church. I know of situations with people where they, you know, they ran into a, a situation in church or, you know, that was, that was something that happened and something that really scarred them. They just like, you know what, let me take a step back. And it took them a while to come back. You know, they kind of just stayed out there and enjoy the world. And so I think that, 
you do kind of have to come back in because especially in those situations, because if you were mean and rude to me before I left and you mean and rude to me now, it's going to be a little bit hard for me to want to try to come back in, especially to where you are to want to accept like what you have going on. Cause I'm just like, well, y'all still the same crazy people that I was dealing with before I left. And it's no excuse on, on my end because I still have to get it right and I still have to make it in. But I think, you know, we still have a job to do as people that are inside the church and still show the love of Christ, you know, with love and kindness, have I drawn thee? And you still have to be able to have that love in your heart and say, you know what, like, I, I realize you messed up, but we, you know, we're accepting you back because you have made a decision to make these things right and to continue on with your relationship with Christ. So. And that's another thing too. Like all the, are the pastors, like for the people who have backslidden, like, are they talking with these people? Like once they come back, cause you really got to see where they are to understand where they are. But I totally agree with you were saying, um, apostle, like, like I said before, you got to show grace. Like you got to, they need more love than they need all the love in the world, you know, when they do come back. And then you don't want to push them away to another doctrine or another church. You don't want them going to Joe Alstein because they get the love there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we got to be careful. Or you want to push them to, like, Gino Jennings. Sorry for the same Did you him. just name? Okay. Edit that out, please. <laughs> but, you know, where they go even extreme, you know, you don't want to push them Thank either you. way. You don't want to push them either way. A lot of our young people that's going over that way. Don't edit that out. Don't edit that out. But you don't want to push them out to someone that's super extreme, you know? So it's like, how can the Apostolic Church find um, that balance of grace and love with these people who are returning to the faith? Like, we got to treat them like the prodigal son. Do we need to preach that? Do we need to read that story again? Because I feel like that needs to be implemented. And I'm glad you brought that up because Clap made a really good point about, you know, are these, you know, pastors talking to these people? I think, you know, we have to be very intentional, too, with the restoration process. Again, I'm not trying to get into another subject. Even when we sit people down, even when we, you know, if somebody backslides and comes back in, I don't just we, we show them love, but we still have to be intentional with the restoration process. And, you know, we, while you might've been a great singer before you might've been a great preacher before we still need to sit down and like, let you learn and let you grow and, you know, kind of like go through that restoration process where, you know, you're coming to, you know, bi-weekly counseling with the pastor, trying to get everything back on track. What does the restoration process look like? for, you know, people that have backsliding, like, are we intentional with it? Or are we not doing the restoration process? So this does not happen again? Or is it one of those things where, you know, we're just kind of turning a blind eye to it? Or is it one of those things where we actually are like, you know, sitting down with that person on a Bible thing and saying, you know, where are you with everything? How are you feeling? You know, like, how's that prayer life? You, You know, so a year ago you were here, now you're you're back in fellowship with us, but where are you with your prayer life? Where are you with, you know, studying, you know, the word? Like, I'm starting to notice, like, you didn't come to Bible study last week. Now, I'm not trying to single you out, but I just want to make sure that, you know, we're not setting you up for failure. So I think the, re- and that's why, you know, clap out of that point, I think the restoration process is a integral part to making sure that, and I'm not trying to get off subject here with our Pharisees discussion, but. No, and, and, and 
my point is building off of that, but bringing it back to the Pharisee discussion. You talked about the restoration process. And I, and once again, like I said, pew baby to Pharisee pipeline, the process of us, of us dealing with people. So flipping that around, not just looking at the person who's coming back, but the same way that we talked about this offline, we need training or we need to start showing the saints how to effectively witness the sinners. We need to start training the saints how to effectively talk to people who are coming back from the world. Like everybody doesn't have that gift. So everybody shouldn't be talking to that saint coming back. Like Amen. it's not your role. Mm. People are like moving outside of the lane about what they should be doing in the church. Oh, that's a different subject right there. My God. And if that's not your gift, that's not your gift. So just hush your mouth ah. and let somebody who has the gift hush your mouth. come and find a way to restore the person. And I think that's the biggest problem. Like I said, for me, this, this discussion is self-evaluation. So for me to not be a Pharisee, I need to think about how I'm approaching people who come into my church and how I say things and interact with people from my church. And if I know that I am not good with saying, with using words to talk to people, encourage people, if I know that I'm not a positive witness to people, <laughs> like if I know that like if me saying something is going to trigger that person, because there's people in the church who intentionally, they know that what they're going to say to this person is going to throw them off and they do it on purpose. And like, we can't as saints be toxic that, you know, that's not you working in the spirit. That's you working in your, that's you being a Pharisee. And so like, if you know that it, sometimes it's not that you know that the person is not that you have a problem with the person, but you know, the person has a problem with you. And until they get their heart right, you need to not, push them. We, we shouldn't be pushing people to anger. We shouldn't be forcing people into situations that we know aren't right. And so, sorry, I don't want to talk. I'm rambling now. No, you're talking right. You got me over here wanting to run around this house. I just feel like we have to be careful. Like if you know that there is an issue between you and another person who's coming back, not a saint, because the Bible tells us what to do with the saint. You know, you go to them without ought. But if it's not a saint that's coming back to you, if it's a pew baby who left, and and they and you know that there's a is, there's an issue between the two of y'all. That's not your time for you to be like, well, let's talk and try to make up. No, let them get back into let let somebody else that can minister and get them back into the word of God. Talk to them first. So I'm a hush up. But any more comments on the second bucket? No, you 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 really you're talking. You're telling the truth. You're telling so much. You just said a mouthful right there. I'm gonna leave it right there. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's move on to believers and believers and judgment between believers and believers. And I, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at this. So I'm just going to let y'all kind of give y'all opinions about it. <laughs> I mean, like, what you mean, like judgments between each other? Like, yeah. Okay. It's positive, but it can fall into that category you were talking about with the people who have fell away. I feel like, I feel like the same, if that makes any sense. The same spirit should be issued. I mean, we supposed to, I mean, we show love by correcting one another. Right. So if I didn't correct you, I don't love you, you know? So it's kind of, I don't know. I'm just trying to think. Apostle, I'll chime in. <laughs> I no, I, I think 
it goes back to I'm trying to word this without using too many words. Uh, I think it goes back to making sure that we are, you know, still being, you know, intentional, but like as believers, I guess because we are all like on the same playing field, like brother and sister, like, you know, for example, like, you know, Ron, you have brothers and, you know, clap, you have sisters, whatever, like, you know, that like, if you love them, like you just said, like you love them because you love them, you're going to make sure that they, you're going to hold their feet to the fire, you know, so to speak. You're going to make sure that, you know, you're holding them accountable. And, you know, if you see them kind of veering off to the left, you're going to be like, sis, you're be like, bro, like what's, what's going on here? But I, I think, and I hope I'm not sounding crazy when I say this, but I think too, when we're talking about accountability and things like that is I think in a church you should have an accountability partner like I don't think and that's where it goes to because everybody shouldn't know your all your business in church because everybody can't handle that even if you all are believers everybody's a believer everybody can't handle that you might you know struggle in some area in your spiritual walk and so everybody can't handle that so you should always have an accountability partner in the church but I do think that even from believer to believer, like, of course, it's church, so there's always going to be some kind of negative, you know, judgment, but the deal is that if it is going to be negative judgment, I'd rather that negative judgment be to my face, and you tell me, like, hey, I don't, I don't like what you're doing. I, I don't like what you're doing. I don't like what you're wearing. I'd rather you come to me, tell me face to face, than for it to be a conversation with someone else over the phone, and to get back to me that way, or for it to be a conversation in a meeting, and to get back to me that way, or for it to be a conversation in the pastor's office about me, and it gets back to me that way. And so that's what that's where you know I'd rather the negative you know <laughs> judgment come in. Like I'd rather you tell me to my face, like bro, like you you were mean today, like what, like you mean, like what's going on, or you know, for me to say, sis, like now. You came in and you you was inappropriate. I'd rather, I'd rather be able to say that than for it to be me say nothing to you at all. And I'm, like, I'm in the group chat. Ah, did you see what Clap had on? Uh, and she going to have nerve to, to do praise and worship. And we all been guilty. Again. We, so. we all been guilty of it. But I think that we have to change the narrative when we're talking about, you know, becoming stronger in our walk, whatever, because we should be able to go to our brother and sister and be comfortable enough to go to them and say, I'm coming to you in love. I don't want you to set you up for failure. I don't want to see you fail. I don't want to see this become a problem. I don't want this to, you know, get to the pastor, you know, before, you know, somebody take it there. I'm just coming to you and say, hey, like, you know, and I can respect that. And like from believer to believer, right? We all feel with the Holy Ghost. So even before you approach anybody, please take it to God in prayer. Stand over in the corner of the church. Say a quick prayer if you need to. Lord, should I say this right now? And ask the Lord how to say it. Or should you even say it at all? Mm-hmm. Or have the Lord reveal it to that person? Because maybe you're not supposed to say anything. Maybe, you know, they just need that extra push from the Lord. Or maybe they just need to submit. Like, you really got to be in tune. We're supposed to be in tune with the Holy Ghost. And if we are, we wouldn't look at it as an offense or as a whatever mm-hmm. or as anything it shouldn't. It should we should look at it, we would look at it or supposed to look at it as, okay, they love me enough to tell me X, Y, and Z. So let me self-examine myself to fix X, Y, and Z. Right. No, I completely agree. And 
On top of accountability partners, because I definitely think that it's important for us to have people that are in our age group that understand where we're coming from. Like this podcast has been helping me so much. Just having people that I know that are facing similar things that I'm facing that I can talk to. Um, But I also think you need a spiritual mentor. Those are rare. Those are hard to find. I know. And go ahead. But this is my thing. We're looking. So the thing about the the pew baby, the Pharisee pipeline is we got to look at the system. Why? Why is it so hard to find a spiritual mentor? This is a man. This is a discussion for another day, y'all. Does everybody think they're spiritual? All the elders think they're spiritual. Or people want to want to spiritually exploit you. And not, I think that's why I'm talking heavy. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Seriously, oh. that was deep. Go ahead, Apostle. Let me I want to hear. I want to hear. Spiritually exploit us. Woo. They do, though. Spiritual exploitation. Everybody want to be a functional savior out here. Yeah, they, they do. Like, people people do. And it goes back to, I think I said this on here on the podcast a couple of weeks ago about toxic people and things like that. Like, sometimes people think they ain't helping you, think they got all the answers, and they don't. Sometimes people... You know, they, they'll they'll use certain things, use that niceness, whatever. I've experienced this where they'll get close to you. We'll go out to eat on Sundays. We'll go, you know, to a concert on Saturday, whatever. But the whole time they're trying to, like, wrap up information on you and get in your corner and, you know, get in that corner and try to figure out, you know, Oh, you know, I'm I'm trying to try to figure that person out. Like what, like what, you know, what he got going on. Like, you know, what's his story and things like that. Like we try to do those. They people people are literally in church do stuff like that mm-hmm. and try to you know try to say, oh, I'm I'm your brother. I'm just yeah, you are my brother, my sister, but you are not like my you know a brother or sister that I'm. I can say that I want to be in your corner or I, I want you to be accountable to you because your lifestyle don't even line up. Your lifestyle is not even pleasing to God. So what do I, what do I need to take from you? And it's not me judging you. It's just me saying that I don't, you know, I don't desire to try to pattern myself after you. And because you're trying to get close to me, but you're trying to get close to me for what reason? When when we go out to eat, it's not spiritual. There's not a lot of spiritual conversation or there's a lot of negative conversation. There's a lot of, you know, let me get you on my team, you know, so I can put you against this person. Or I can put you against that person or let me get you on my team so we can run this person down and we can run that person out. Like, I ain't for that because I want to I want to get to heaven. I want to get to heaven. I want to make heaven my home. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got myself. We talk about cancer. Like speaking of cancer, we know that there are cancerous people in the church in our own facilities that aren't moving by the spirit a lot of the time. And and, and that's why we need spiritual mentors, I think. I, we need people to ident- to gra- grab the saints. Like <laughs> grab the saints and like pull pull them aside when somebody new comes to your church. It shouldn't be that people that everybody knows is toxic or is not fully uh, fully spiritual should be speaking to them. Like, there's no time for us to be timid as saints. Like, we know what's going on in our churches. If we don't know, then we should know. And, like, it's time for us to, like, 
move quickly and grab those people and love them and and become those spiritual mentors. And so, okay, I don't want to get too far off of judgment. I'm sorry. Bringing us back to judgment, I was looking in Proverbs and one of the scriptures that stood out to me was that um, judgment should have no respect to persons. And I think in church, a lot of the time, we don't equally show if we're going to challenge one, if we're going to hold one person accountable, we need to hold everybody accountable. Mm. We need to make sure that if we're going to go to one person, we need to make sure we go to everybody. It shouldn't just be that the saints are attacking or I shouldn't even say attack. It shouldn't be just every time something happens, we're going to the same person over and over again. And we're making people feel, feel like they're being attacked. It has to be, it has to be equivalent. It has to be to everybody. It has, if you see one of the saints, one, and I don't want to talk like older saints and younger saints, but if you see one of the younger saints doing one thing, and you say it's inappropriate, make sure you tell all the, all the younger saints. That's something that all of them, like like you said, clap, like we should be coming to people in love. And if it's out of the Holy Ghost, then we'll all receive it. And maybe like, maybe it's not something I was doing now, or maybe some, it's something you don't got knowledge of, but address it to all of us. Let's make sure that universally for everybody, we give the same type of judgment. Yeah, we don't do that. I mean... I just I know from personal experience, it's always they pinpoint that one person and they just keep piling on that one person, you know, or, you know, or they don't like get all of the parties together that were involved in the in whatever um, or whoever's doing what they don't address everyone. So I totally agree with you on that because it sets the standard and it reiterates the standard. And if you say that you have a certain way your church is running, but then, you know, some people are allowed to slip under the radar. Some are not. Some has the, you know, some of them have the pressure or the eye on them and the other ones don't. Like, it's now that makes people as a whole, because they see the hypocrisy, lose respect for your church and your foundation as a whole, because you're not being equal across the board. That is true. Um I, and I've, I've seen this happen before where even in family churches, those are, you know, oh, those are uh, dangerous. Stop, stop, um, no stop, offense, Ron. Stop it. I, I came from a family church. That's not right. No, but no, no. It's, but it's, I think that, again, if you're going to tell me to be on time, you know, make sure your children are on time. Or if you're going to tell me, you know, you know, come to me and pull me about, you know, a certain issue, you know, and pull me in on a meeting and make sure all parties were involved, even those that you're some kin to are in that meeting, you know, as well. And I think that's what drives people out too, because there is a lot of favoritism in church. And there is a lot of, you know, favorites in church and we address one, but we don't, we don't address all, or we address, you know, this person over here, but we're not going to address this person over here because they might stop coming. They might stop paying their tithes. But address all of us, address everybody that's involved in that situation or address all of us across the board. Like, you know, don't call me out for, you know, not coming to Bible study and such and such can lay out a Bible study all they want to and be in the leadership position. You know, that's, that's not fair at all. And I think that that's what has harmed a lot of churches too, is that people are not fair and consistent across the board when it comes to addressing issues as well. So. Right. And like I said, we're at this point, we're in the believer and believer bucket. 
and there's still these issues of favoritism and and um letting some things go for other people and then even sometimes the people who are super involved in church in some churches they get the most slack like they'll be the ones who get the most judgment versus the people who are not involved we do we just have to be careful because we create contention between the saints when we do too much that's not equivalent to everybody all the way around okay any last final comments or remarks about judgment uh take the moat out of your eye before you try to remove the speck of dust out of your neighbor's eye (laughs) and if you're going to say something to anyone please pray consult the lord that's what he's there for guys the holy ghost you got it for a reason those who are filled with it those who aren't filled with it and who are using the word of God and who are expiring to be filled. <laughs> you can use the word of God to judge others as well. But um, follow it and do it and love saints. Saints, we got to love, especially now. There's so much going on. We got to show the love of Christ above all things because that's a witness among itself. Without love, you're just a clankering symbol. You can put all the clothes on. You can look the part. You can sound holy. You could have never missed a service, a Bible study, a vacation Bible school in your life, but still not have love. You're, you have nothing. You fall in line true. right behind the center. Yeah. Okay. I don't know about that, but yeah. <laughs> that is true. And I think sometimes too, to Clap's point, you know, do pray before you address something, but make sure that, you know, when it comes to things, you know, like doctrinal things and, you know, people like to pull people aside about, you know, things like they skirts. Make sure that you are in order to do that because certain things, you know, might be in the leader's court to to address. You know, that might be in the leader's court or in the mother's board court to address that and, and not you. So make sure that you're in order, you know, when, you, when you're going to people and not out of order because you just think, oh, I'm going to go to her because I'm going to say something to her. Like, no, make sure you're not operating out of order and not operating in, you know, the spirit of, you know, of being out of control. You know, you're just trying to be a busybody within the church. Got a lot of that going on. So my final statement on, on this is um, we have to make sure as saints and believers that we're not making the church a boys club or exclusive group and we're not being cliquish. We have to try very hard. And and I know it's difficult, but the way that we stop fighting, <laughs> stop being Pharisees is for us to look internally and evaluate. And we have to think like, am I creating a conversation that's making me a hypocrite? Am I creating a conversation or doing something that's going to cause somebody to fall away? Um, and let's not contribute to the pipeline. Like let's, the best way for you to not be part of the system is to think about whether you're part of the system. So, all right. So now that we wrapped up with the subject, shall we move on to the music ministry? Yes. Yes. We're going to hear from the music ministry of the Pew Babies, um, the segment in the show. We're going to uh, discuss things that we've been listening to that's been listening, um, lifting us up in our spirits lately. I know um, for me, I'm always looking for, um, not necessarily like the newest music out there, but um, looking for um, some dope um, gospel music to listen to. Um, so anybody that knows me knows I'm a choir head, whatever. So I like a lot of choir music, um, but also, you know, I, I'm getting more into my praise and worship as well. And 
um, listening to that. So I'm going to start with you ladies um, first and just share with us on this podcast what have what has been inspiring you lately? What have you been listening to? What's been really lifting your spirits lately? Well, I mean, I had to take it back because I like to go back and listen to the oldies but goodies. So I'm going to hit y'all with Walter Hawkins, Love Alive, oh. back in 1975. Yes. Where one of the famous songs, Changed, came off of there. And going up yonder, I've just been putting that album on rotation. It's really ministered to me and helped me. It brought me back to when I first got saved. Like those songs kind of, they the words and the content, you know, that that is said, it really gets you back and gets your mind um, back on when you first, what they say, go back to your first love <laughs> or that first time you got filled and that feeling inside. Um, I've also been, I've listened to Kim Burrell, her live in concert, just to spice it up a bit. I don't know if y'all familiar with her album, but one of her older albums. I listen to her old stuff, but yeah, that's what I've been listening to. You want to play something for us or uh, play a little snippet? Yeah. So we got a change, of course. Everybody know that one. I'll play a little snippet of that. Hopefully I can get it playing. A change, a change has come over me. Changed my life. See, that got me right there because I was like, yes, he did. Uh, <laughs> going, I was going in in the car. I was like, he changed my life. <laughs> so I've been listening to that. And of course, um, let me play a little bit of uh, Kim. I don't know. Are y'all Kim Burrell fans? Well, old Kim fans. How y'all feel about that? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of her voice. Yeah. That's the thing is I just, I know her voice and her being featured, but I've never listened to her actual stuff. Like by her. Come on. You gotta listen like, to Holy Ghost by by Kimberell, one of my favorites. And then like she has like these upbeat, nice little uh songs. I like I keep holding oh, on. Yeah. I keep holding on, y'all. But yeah, that's a good album. This is her live in concert. Love that album, one of my favorites. But it's a very good spiritual uplifting. Anything else, Ron? Yeah, so like I said, I went to church this Sunday, so I've been kind of in a shouting mood. I've been in a praise break, hype mood. <laughs> Yay for you. Celebrate. I'm so in. sorry. I'm so sorry. But for those of y'all that are at home, you can have a shout, shouting good time by all by yourself. Um, so I've gone back into like Vincent Bohannon's EP. Mm. Um, Let's Take a Stand is one of the good ones that I really enjoy. I don't know if y'all know Anthony June Bug Turner, mm-hmm. um, but he has a song "Nobody But God." That's a really great praise break. Yeah, you hit me to that. I'll be going in at home, shouting in the corner. Uh, yeah, just on it. Um, and then some Ricky Diller. I won't go back. His new album that he released. Okay. Um, there's a few songs on there that um, um, rooftop. It's kind of my favorite right now that I've been listening to, but just stuff that's kind of fast and uplifting. That's been my songs for this week. You got anything you want to play? Um, it's on commercial, so y'all know. I'm sorry, y'all. Okay. I don't pay for music. I listen through YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! I hear that. You need to take up an offering for Sister Ron. This is nobody but God's praise break. 
That right there is enough. <laughs> I was already about to shout. Oh my gosh. She's so good. I don't I don't shout all the time. I'm not shouting John, but I get excited, y'all, and that had me excited. Back in the day I was when I was a young spring chicken. I've heard some things about you, Church Club, as far as you shouting. But anyway. Yeah, I've I heard digress. some people. I heard some people. I seen, now. I seen clapping action. I beat the devil Have out. You? I beat the devil out of everybody. Yeah, around I seen clapping action. We was at that pre-Congress rally in DC. What? Albums for this week. Uh, number one is Jesus is King by Kanye West. What? Number two <laughs> is Maverick City. They're pretty yes. good. Yes. Three. Taylor oh, Rapper's voice. Whew. Thank you. And Lord. number three is Tasha Cobb's Leonard. What oh. is she singing? So why are you? Her heart, passion, and so I don't know what it is. 
Is she gonna be laughing on the tracks like she does every song? <laughs> we worshiping all night. <laughs> I smile like that album was really good, and then after that, it was. It was after that kind of went down. I had the top songs up, the top five songs. I think Kiara Shear was number six. That song you said um, keeps happening. Yeah, is that new? It, I, I I know it came out sometime last year. Um, I listened to it because you know some things just keep happening for me. I don't know why God keeps doing what He does, but it's just been been a theme song for me. Okay, so so far number one is Kirk Franklin Love Theory. Number okay. two is Follow God, and number three is We Gonna Be All Right by Ty Trippett. Those are oh. the songs, the three top. That's where we are in gospel music. Wow. Now. I guess, Trap. I'm going to play Change because that's what needs to happen. Change. <laughs> Bless it. Change. Uh, that was our music uh, ministry of the Pew Babies. Music ministry of the Pew Babies. Hope you enjoyed our selections tonight. Come back on our next episode. We're going to have some fresh music for you. We'll be ready to lift up the name of the Lord. Amen. Okay, so... <laughs> We finally are at closing remarks. I know you guys, it's been a long way, but we, we're there. So any closing remarks from anybody? So uh, my final words will be um, that uh, we should be able to examine ourselves as Christians. And um, like I said before, the season saints, I need y'all to examine yourselves because like we're looking at you, you're our example. and we need someone to follow. So just once again, do everything in love. If you do address somebody and make sure you consult the Holy ghost before you do so and do things in decency and in order, because if the elders can do it, then we can do it. Cause basically we're trying to be like you at the end of the day, we're looking for maturity. We're looking for spiritual growth and we want to be, the pinnacle that you know you set forth so that's all I have to say yeah so my my closing remarks are I'm going to piggyback what Michael said re-highlight that about restoration and making sure that we have systems in place in church that um help restore the saints um whatever we have to do whether it's a a class or um a group of people that comes and encourages them. Let's put that in place, saints. And then um, lastly, judgment is positive and negative. And it's not always a negative thing to judge. We need that part to be accountable to what we're doing. And so it's good for us to judge. But then we just have to be careful that our judgment is not um, hurting anyone or pushing someone out of the church. So um those are my closing remarks. Those are my highlights from our discussion. Dialing back on what they said, um, just um, making sure, again, you know, that restoration piece and making sure whatever we do, we do it in love. Um, making sure that we, you know, whatever we do, we do it in love. We do it with kindness, but also, too, you know, in church that we are looking now for one another and holding each other accountable. Because I do want to see my brother and my sister in heaven with me. I want to see y'all in glory. You know, I don't want anybody to go to hell. It's not even the God's will for us to perish, you know. So I would like to see you all in heaven with me. And I think we have to do that. If we, we can do that, we work together and make sure that we're looking out for one another. Um, 
the other thing that I want to say tonight, I'm going to try to say this as quickly as possible. Um, the night is far spent. Um, I just want to give a huge shout out before uh, anything else. Um, those who are listening to this podcast, if you are an essential worker, whether you work foods, have worked food service, healthcare, you work groceries, things like that, we want to say thank you um, so much for your service. Uh, thank you for everything that you've done. I know, you know, for the word, you know, putting your life at risk to make sure that people um, still have this essential things that they need during this pandemic. I want to give a special recognition to our unsung heroes, to um, our church leaders, our pastors, um, whom have um, persevered during this pandemic. And I'm talking to the pastors that, you know, had to, you know, quickly make changes. Nobody saw this pandemic coming um, other than the president. We're not going to talk about that tonight. Um, but nobody really saw this pandemic coming. So there was no time to really plan. Nobody has really ever pastored during a pandemic. Um, so we want to take our hats off to the pastors that, you know, had to try to figure out a way to still, you know, make sure they're getting Bible study and getting Sunday morning service to us, even though church is closed or to the pastors having church outside and having to preach in the hot sun while we get to stay in our air conditioned cars or, you know, to the pastors that, you know, had to still go down to the church and record services and still put their health at risk to make sure we had. And also to those praise team leaders, to those um, musicians and things like that, church administrators and sound technicians, those that had to do social media and stuff, we say thank you to people that are in the church administration roles and to our pastors and leaders and stuff that first of all, thank you for thinking enough of us that you say, you know what, I'm not going to put, have you put your life in danger to try to come out to church. I'm going to come up with a plan in place to make sure you all are still safe during a pandemic. So we say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. You know, uh, I know like a lot of those older pastors out there, you had to try to figure out how to work conference call church. And, you know, a lot of the, you know, uh, praise team leaders, you guys had to try to come up with songs to sing. And, you know, so it was really different for a lot of people, but you all still made sure we had what we needed. I know my church in D.C. did a great job of making sure that they had a plan in place. Uh, making sure we were still getting Bible studies, we were still getting virtual worship on Sundays. Even when they did open, they had a strong plan in place as to how they were going to open, you know, what they were going to do. And you all still, you know, found a way to make it work. Even if you opened your church and had everybody social distancing, you know, you still found a way to make it work. So we want to say thank you to those leaders and to those great pastors out there that really did a great job of making sure that they pastored on the pandemic. Um, and, you know, even if, you know, this is only for those pastors that did that, you know, if you were a pastor and y'all did things as normal, that's none of my business. However, you know, my thanks goes to the pastors that, you know, still had to give up their pastor's anniversaries this year, you know, to make sure and sacrifice and make sure that their, their memberships were still okay. And, you know, people that still had to make, you know, quick adjustments to things and, you know, still had to... Follow CDC guidelines. We want to say thank you. If I had trophies, if I had plaques for all of you all, I would definitely present them to all of the pastors out there that have been doing an awesome, awesome job of making sure, um, you know, the people are safe and that we're having everything we need during this pandemic. So thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Apostle, that was beautiful. 
Thank you, pastors. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, praise team. Thank all of y'all. That like it's so true. So let's move to benediction, y'all. Till we meet again. Till we meet again. May the Lord watch. May the Lord watch. Between me and thee. Between me and thee. While we're absent. While we're absent. absent. One from another. One from another. another. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let all the people say. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I'm dead. Love somebody. Love somebody. My life was church and all it. I'm a pew baby.